Welcome to the Alleycast, episode 001. It was important to create something that was obviously epic and fit into his memory, pay tribute to him. And, and for me, I think from a very early stage, probably one of my earliest thoughts was if I can create something around those dates, it would be pretty amazing. Stand together, united as one, forward on we go, facing friend and foe, we will know what it is. We have not time for that. If we make mistakes, we are lost. Today, in this very first episode, I have the pleasure of interviewing Carl Rushin. Carl Rushin is an endurance athlete who took on a very special challenge in memory of his brother after he was tragically killed in service in Afghanistan. Carl continues to inspire others through his Black Sheep project, which inspires people to be a better version of themselves, and we'll talk a lot more about that during the podcast. Before we start talking to Carl, I think it's a good time to just have a look at a few events which are taking place over the next couple of months. Um, We will mention in this episode the Black Sheep Half Marathon, which is arranged by Carl Rushin and will now take place on the 7th of December 2019. That takes place at Jacob's Ladder in the Peak District and more details can be found either by contacting Carl through the Gone Tabin page or through one of his pages. Uh, be a black sheep page, Mr. 100 Peaks, any of those. They're all listed in the show notes, so you can go and have a look at those, and we will mention them during the podcast. There's also the Betsy Coed 10K Trail Run. That is taking place on Saturday, the 9th of November. Just do a Google search on that, Betsy Coed 10K Trail Run. You will see that there is a 10K Bergen category in that, and that is to raise funds for Health for Heroes. It is a great event with a really, really beautiful route. And of course, in January, we have Avalanche Endurance Events Fan Dance. That is taking place this year on the 4th, 5th and 11th of January with all the usual categories. You can find out more details about that. Just do a Google search on Fan Dance Race. It will be the first page that will come up there. Have a look through, pick yourself a category and make 2020 the year that you do something special. If you've not done a Bergen race before, if you've not tabbed, if you've not yomped, if you're brand new to this, you don't need to be ex-military. Just get yourself in there, make your New Year's resolution today, and get over there and sign up for that event. You certainly will not regret it. So this interview was recorded a couple of weeks ago, just before the Paris 10, uh, which sadly I could not be at this year because I was sunning myself in Tenerife. But Carl Rushing went out there and absolutely smashed that event as well. So, without further ado, here is my talk with the one and only Carl Rushing. Today I'm speaking to Carl Rushing. Um, Carl Rushing is known by many names, including Mr. 100 Peaks and also... Um, the founder of the the Black Sheep Flock. How you doing, Carl? All right, buddy. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So I've done a little bit in the introduction about the, the Hundred Peaks. And when I first sort of looked at it, I thought, wow, what a fantastic uh, feat that you've gone through there. And then I looked a little bit more into it and found that there was a lot more to it than I thought. Um, yeah. Do you want to tell me a little bit about sort of how that came about and uh, and what it involved? Yeah. Um, it was a. It was originally a throwaway comment on, of all things, the fan dance. I think it was probably my first or second fan dance, and if things aren't tough enough already, <laughs> I turned around to a mate and said, do you reckon we could tab all of the tallest mountains in the UK? Yeah. Um, 
and then obviously you start doing your your wiki searches because wikipedia is obviously the the font of everything oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and apparently there's only 110 mountains above 610 meters in the uk but it turns out actually it's about 800 right okay um yeah. So originally, obviously, I went with the wiki list and it was going to be 110 peaks, but obviously that didn't sound too good. And then all of a sudden we thought, okay, 100 is the uh, is the right sort of number. Um, and I don't know really what compelled me to think that was ever a, a great idea other than <laughs> I thought, well, how much tougher can we make events like this? Because obviously once you've done the Paris 10 and yeah. you've naturally stepped onto the fan dance, it's quite, it's quite hard to explain to people what there's a... The, the gulf between those two events mm. although it's the natural thing to do yeah there's a massive gulf between that the paris 10 and, and then the fan and then it was like well what can i do really to to create something really quite incredible as a tribute to lloydie yeah and obviously my mind just went awol for a little while and come up with this challenge I mean, for me, it wasn't so much really, I had a challenge in mind, but I really wasn't quite mm. sure of what it was. And I had, I mean, it was the dates really that meant the most to me. Yeah. Because um, obviously going back to obviously the dates, it was obviously always going to be a 25-day period coinciding with the anniversary of the day he left for his last tour and the day, obviously, okay. that we found out he wasn't coming home. Yeah. Um, and then trying to cram something into that, which obviously became the 100 Pigs Challenge. Okay. Um, well, I mean, I mean, obviously we've, You've mentioned Lloydie there. Um, do you want to sort of explain to people who probably don't know the full story exactly the sort of tragic circumstances around around how the whole Hundred Peaks came about? Yeah, um, Lloydie, obviously my little brother. Um, I'm well. We there's six of us all together, and he was I'm number one, or not number one, but the eldest, yeah. and he was number three. Right. And um, we were seven years. I was seven years years seven years older than him, but from very early age it was it was very evident that we had quite a bond um and obviously his career took him into or from i mean he he spent see a fair amount of time in the army cadets and that really prepared him for the job that he really wanted to do which was to go into the army right he started life in the royal signals before um going on to royal engineers and eod and then on to Pathfinder Regiment before finishing at Hereford yeah. as yeah. part of 2-2. Okay. As I've indicated many times, he was a very special boy in many in many ways. Mm. Um, not just his career, but obviously his career was was forced in taking on the toughest things that he could possibly find to test himself with. And obviously that was pretty much the ethos of what I was trying to create with 100 Peaks, I think. I mean, I mean, you've certainly created a legacy there. This this year's fan dance, the amount of caps with hashtag for Lloydie on the back was was certainly noticeable. There was a there was a lot of us there with those caps, and there. Thank you for allowing me into the black sheep fold. Also, um, so, so obviously the dates of the the hundred peak challenge. You, you mentioned that they um, were to were to tally in with 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 obviously Lloydie and, and what happened as well. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was. Just it was important to create something that was obviously epic and fit into his memory mm. pay tribute to him and and for me i think from a very early stage probably one of my earliest thoughts was well, if i can create something around those dates it would be pretty amazing i mean initially i kind of didn't have a real plan for how long this thing would take but 
then soon you start thinking about these things it's just the natural thought get coming back to those dates because for me really it it could only you know, it could be the not the ultimate tribute but really mm. it meant that i was doing something like that over a period where i found things quite difficult to to cope with anyway yeah. Yeah. um but obviously giving me something like that to focus on just meant that I had that added impetus of making sure that the challenge got done. Obviously, you mentioned that you did a lot of research on sort of Wikipedia there and, uh, and around there. What, what other yeah, sort we did some proper research <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah, what, sort, what other sorts of preparations actually went into the challenge? Um, really just... Well, it, it, it's tough because obviously there's no there's no benchmark for a challenge like this out there, really. No. I mean, there is obviously people traipse up and down mountains and cram as many Munros as they possibly can into as amount of time as they can. But in the format that I wanted to complete it, there wasn't really much out there other than guides on 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 routes, if in essence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, so really, it became. I mean, initially, the list really was the tallest 100 peaks in the UK. But when it comes to obviously trying to fit that into the 25 days, logistically, that became almost impossible because a lot of those peaks, you literally, you, you would only get one in a day and then you travel into the next one. Yeah. Yeah. So it became very evident that we had to try and piece as many of uh, as many peaks in a ridge line or a, a route that was known as possible. Right. With the premise that being that they all had to be over 610 meters, so all over 2,000 feet. Right. Okay. Yeah. And again, once I started thinking about it like that, and started talking to friends that obviously were relatively expert in those various areas of the Highlands and Snowdonia and and the lakes, uh, we started to form really a picture of what those those routes and the actual challenge could look like. Yeah. Um, and obviously in a, in a way that we knew we had a fair chance of of completing it mm. um if that makes yeah yeah yeah, that, does, yeah so what did day one of the the 100 peaks challenge what did that look like for you uh, day one was a rest day <laughs> <laughs> day one was a rest day we we literally rode we started the uh, the challenge with a, a 75 mile bike ride oh yeah that sounds um, like a real rest day yeah, yeah i know and i used to sell this to the guys i used to say well, look we're obviously when we're doing the cycle element of it it'll just be we're on our bums it's just a rest day it's that's all it is and it was like um became a bit of a running joke so it was we literally started up at with I didn't kind of know how to start. I thought it'd just be nice, easier, easier to sort of get there and just sort of have a loosener. Mm. And I thought, actually, if we were going into this challenge of the first day in the the first day being in the hills, it's it sort of you know straight away your body's working hard. Whereas at least if we're having a little bit of a sort of a gentle pedal, it's sort of breaking us in a little bit more gently. Mm. So I decided that we'd cycle from the Moray Firth down to what would essentially be base camp one for, at Fort William okay. at, um, yeah. Glen, at Glen Nevis. And then um, actually the real, the hill work began on day two, mm. obviously with, with the Ben. Yeah. Day one was, day one was easy <laughs> in comparison to uh, subsequent days. Brilliant. So what, what sort of support team did you have with you or was it all just self-supporting? No, I mean, we initially, when I looked at the challenge, I thought, it's quite weird because I've had two schools of thought. Well, I've had a different school of thought with this since is that initially when I first conceived this, I thought, you know what, we need loads of people to help us to make it happen. Yeah. Um, 
I've since analysed what went on and and what we did and thought, you know what, actually we could do it a lot easier and probably with a lot less stress yeah. with a, a much smaller bank of people. I mean, I'll, I'll never take away from what was done to support us on the challenge. It was phenomenal. And mm. without the people that supported us, we probably wouldn't have um, been anywhere near as successful with it. Yeah. Um, but obviously we always learn lessons in hindsight. Absolutely. But um, but I mean, what essentially what the support team enabled us to do was the team itself just to concentrate on getting getting the job done. So, I mean, literally, other than worrying about getting our kits sorted and our admin squared away and getting out and doing what was required on a daily basis, whether it be the cycle or, or the, mm. the hill work, we were literally looked after. I yeah. mean, it was fed, fed when we got back, forced protein and carbs and god knows what else down our necks before we were allowed to rest and then obviously setting up for the next day with briefings and everything else that goes with it and, and away we go i mean yeah luckily we really didn't have to think too hard about what we were doing other than getting ourselves switched on and from that point of view that the support team were just phenomenal in that in that regard yeah. So obviously you worked your way down through Scotland and, and, and down into the lakes, but it wasn't just the mainland that you uh, you concentrated on, was it? No, I mean, the original plan, actually the original plan was to go over across to Ireland mm. um, when I first conceived the challenge, but um, somehow the Home Office got involved and advised us that that wasn't a sensible idea okay. based on, obviously, why we were yeah. doing the challenge yeah. and obviously the reasons behind it. So we were, I, I then obviously redefined it as we'll, we'll kayak across the Isle of Man. Right. So yeah, just, just kayak um, across, yeah. yeah. Was, yeah, that, a, was a, that another rest day? Yeah, just another rest day, <laughs> 18 miles across and 18 miles back with a 10 mile, 10 mile hike up to Snaefell in between. Okay. Um, but it was literally, I mean, it was always going to be one of those ones that was literally going to be touch and go whether we would actually be able to do. I mean... Mm. We never actually got to do the kayak, which was really quite disappointing. Yeah. But, I mean, essentially we knew that it was always, I think, four or five days before we knew we were going to get about a six-hour window, which it was going to take us probably the best part of six hours to do the crossing yeah. the, yeah. One, the one way. Right. So despite the fact when we got to the Isle of Wivorn, um, it was a beautiful, beautiful morning. Mm. Um, yeah. We knew really, I mean, after lunchtime, we could see the weather coming in and yeah. that would have been... Obviously, we'd have been quite stranded in, oh, yeah, yeah. In, in the Isle of Man on TT week. Yeah, and I right, think yeah. when I looked at it logistically, it was going to cost us about 560 quid to get back off the Isle of Man right. on a ferry that yeah. dropped us in Liverpool. So really, that wasn't... No. No. <laughs> so <laughs> sadly, obviously, we ended up having a rest day that day. Mm. Um, so in its full entirety, the challenge never got completed in, in that regard, but which is a massive shame, but I still, yeah, it still doesn't take anything away. I think from what, um, what we achieved actually in that, in that, in that instance, I mean, it, it was always going to be a nice to have, I think, because mm. we knew how difficult it was going to be with trying to get a weather window. Yeah. And I knew that from the very start when I conceived and started planning this, that it was always going to be hit and miss that, that crossing mm. because of purely everyone that I'd ever spoken to about doing that crossing just said, you're always going to find it difficult to get a window to do it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but 
hey, we live and learn. That's it, we do. Um, so basically worked your way down the western side of the country and obviously down into North yeah. Wales, I'm, I'm gathering. You actually did yeah. that. Um, so when you actually completed the challenge, am I right in saying that the, the, the fan dance was the completion of that challenge? Yeah, I yeah. mean, for me, it was the only way to finish it. Yeah. Because um, I remember thinking... Are we going to get to the Story Arms, go up to Penny Van, and it's, it's going to feel like a bit of a damp squib, you know? It's mm. We just get up there and think, okay, well, what now? So yeah. I thought, well, the only way really to realistically finish this in, in true fashion would be to throw in the fan dance to finish. Yeah. I mean, we did, obviously, the high moon route because it was... We didn't want to kind of get up to the fan, get off, and then go back up again. Yeah. Um, because, again, that would have felt a little bit like an anticlimax, so... We literally did the, the the route down onto 642, dropped down from 642, and then made our way back onto the Roma Road and then up onto the Fan Summit. Um, so yeah, it felt like we were obviously doing the Fan Dance to finish, which was yeah, which was the perfect way to finish it off, I think. How many of you was who actually completed the, uh, the challenge? Well, there was um, four of us in the team initially, but we had a fair few people join us at various stages. Um, we had a good friend, Alex foreign who yep. joined us in scotland um and then uh, a load of people joined well a few people joined us in the lakes um jules valentine who mm. obviously does yeah, yeah. a fair amount of crazy stuff yeah. um and then we had another load of people join us in north wales um i mean north wales actually we ended up with probably the biggest group of people that we had for the uh, for, for any period obviously right. for that week which was brilliant and then we were greeted with quite a big group at the start. I think there was about 25 of us, I think, at the start of the last day. Excellent. And then obviously everybody, just you know, families and friends, descended onto Fan Summit for us when we obviously climbed on top, which was quite quite something special. Yeah, I can um, imagine. Yeah, I can imagine. So, I mean, one of the questions that obviously, the, if you look at sort of the gone tabbing page, is always on kit and what boots were you using, what Bergen were you carrying, that, that type of stuff. Did you did you yeah. go through, did you have several pairs of boots with you? Did you use the same pair all the way along? Or? No, I, yeah, I had my um, I had my Aku, Aku Pilgrims. Good yeah. Uh, um, yeah, they are a great <laughs> choice. They didn't, I don't, I mean, I'd, I'd beaten them anyway before and obviously previous events with a fair amount of fan dance mm. work because I think before, well, literally before that, before the 100 pigs, I'd done Trident that winter yeah. and everything else. So they'd gone through a fair amount of punishment. But obviously, they stood up massively to the challenge. But literally, by the end of the challenge, they were, yeah, they weren't very happy. No, I can imagine. Um, <laughs> but, but, but they'd done me well. And um, I was kind of glad that I actually got through the challenge just with those pair of boots, to be honest with you, with the packs, because we literally just wanted to go just essential kit. We just downgraded a little bit to a decent Osprey pack. Yep. But I mean, most days we were still carrying the best part of twenty five, thirty pounds, if not, that's... if not more. So, but well, that's I think easy. Just, Bergen... just with basic kit, isn't it? So. Yeah, exactly. I just felt. I mean, you, you know, I mean, when you've got a, a standard PLC issue Bergen on your back, it just feels cumbersome. Yeah, it feels, it's all right for the Paris ten and things like that. But mm. when you're negotiating some of the technical um, scrambles that we were, you kind of just yeah, it, it just wouldn't have been. I mean, I just, yeah, there's so many instances where I think back now, I think where you're just hanging on to, like, like hanging on to your mate and um, 
yeah, a burger like that. It just would have gone yeah, in the way. Totally, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously, I think you know some people will think of the, the Hungry Peaks Challenge and they'll, they'll think of sort of going up the, the Lamberis path to Snowden. But you mentioned scrambling there. But did you do the like yeah. fan and stuff like that? Did you? Or? Uh, I mean, the, the thing is, obviously, with a lot of the routes, although we tried where possible to pick up on defined routes that were known, mm. invariably it became. I mean, I remember one of the one of the hardest days was a day in the lakes where we did we were aiming for 15 peaks off of a Scarfell. Wow! <laughs> and it was a yeah, it was a 20 24 mile day with the best part of 13,000 feet of elevation gain. And Scotty and I had gone ahead because by that point we we'd had to like split the split the group up um, just to keep ourselves on track and. Um, we were at one point we were moving up we were trying to climb up a 600 foot of moving scree face on great gable um which is quite a daunting thing to behold to be honest with you when you're doing it because you think when you're looking back and you think well there's there's no safe way down here to mm. go and start this again the only way is up and you're like spider-man and up this thing whilst rock is just constantly moving underneath you and then also on that same day we'd we'd there's no real path off of Scarfield Pike onto Scarfield other than a little tiny sheep track right. um, behind Mickledore, which is the great big granite face that you see as you come off yeah, of yeah. Scarfield Pike heading towards it. Mm. Um, and, of course, we missed the sheep track and ended up we, we were literally pulling each other up and over boulders with nothing but, obviously, air beneath us for quite some distance. Wow. And it literally, I just yeah, I remember just that being sort of one of those days where I can't, I'm, what was the question? You ramble away. No, it was just, uh, obviously, you know, so I think people think of what, what we're talking about as well-defined yeah. paths going up mountains, but, you know, yeah. it, it certainly doesn't sound as if it was that. No, no. I mean, we got to the point where you're thinking sometimes, you're, you're looking up and you're thinking, you know what, is it worth the extra hour or so trying to find us the path mm. or do we just look, we know well enough what our, how, how good our fitness is and, yeah. I think by that point we got, although we weren't complacent with it, we kind of understood what we were taking on when we were looking at routes and thinking, you know what, I think we can attack that. Yeah. Because it's sort of you kind of get a feel for feel for these things when you're kind of four or five days in. I, mean, I always remember actually the first day on the hills when we obviously did Nevis, and we 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 did the first peak and we dropped and I, I never appreciated actually that with Scotland especially and then on into the lakes. North Wales wasn't quite so bad, but mm. with every bit of elevation you gained in, in, in Scotland and, and the lake, you lost climbing up onto the next peak. Yeah. And I remember we dropped off the first peak that we did and we made our way, or we started to make our way onto the Carmel Jerry Garrett round to get onto the back of Nevis mm. and thinking we've literally just gone from 700 metres down to pretty much sea level to climb 1,000 metres literally straight up over the course of about a mile and a half wow. and yeah. thinking, Christ, what have we done? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, again, obviously that was one of those that where we, we knew there was a path there somewhere we could have, yeah, we probably could have carried on and thought, you know what, but we kind of trusted 
our bodies enough to just to think, you know what, we, we know it's going to be tough, but we can attack that. And I think we never took any stupid decisions, but we kind of, where we thought it was sensible enough to just attack a route as opposed to just finding the easy option, mm. we we kind of went with it. Um, and I guess again that yeah, like you say, it it was never about going the beaten path because yeah, yeah. challenges like this just aren't like that. No. And I always said that I wanted to make it as tough as possible, and I think <laughs> yeah, <laughs> somehow I managed to do that. that. <laughs> so obviously we talked about the first day and on your rest day with your cycle ride. Now uh, I think I think anybody probably listens to this when you, once you've done the the fan dance, especially if you've done it for the first time or or you've done any of those big events. The, the next day is just for me anyway. It's just a complete come down. It's like you know I think I did double tap this year, and for the next three four days in work, I just couldn't be bothered. It's just nothing was going to sort of measure up to that. What was what was the day after the hundred peaks challenge? Once you'd finished, once it was all over and done with, what was that like for you? Uh, to be honest, it was. I wrote about this actually a little while ago in a yeah. blog. It was like it was. I think it took me the best part of. 12 months 18 months to recover in terms of a come down from the 100 peaks she think i'd lived and breathed it for nearly two years probably by the time we'd actually taken it on and then completed it and obviously for a month of my life that was all i was focusing on well in that in that entire i mean obviously it'd been quite a big focus in terms of the preparation and everything else that goes with it yeah. and i think all of a sudden yeah, June the 17th, 2017, mm. it was wonderful being back home in the comfort of my family with my wife and boy, mm. but all of a sudden this, this massive chapter had come to an end, and that I'd found, yeah, I really did find it quite difficult to mm. deal with. You kind of, yeah, take something on like that, and it, it leaves a massive gulf, yeah. not just in terms of the challenge itself, but obviously the relationships I'd formed with some of me like my teammates and mm. I mean obviously they were good friends anyway but yeah, they'd yeah. become like brothers in in that month because obviously that everything that we'd endured together and yeah to all of a sudden not have that and go back to the normal rat race of trying to get into London on a daily <laughs> basis as opposed to uh, enjoying the best of the hills no matter what yeah. the weather was throwing at you it was is was something yeah it's something different entirely and it did take a long time for that that come down to completely disappear if you like um was it from that that the idea of the, the black sheep came about yeah i mean it also there was i mean even before the 100 peaks that i always remember writing a little note about trying to create some sort of legacy project for lloydie and i never really knew what that was and even when the hundred peaks finished for that period of time afterwards, I never really knew what it was. But mm. the one thing that I, I, I'm, I'm the most proud of, and I take the biggest, biggest hint or the biggest sense of pride from out of the hundred peaks is the amount of people it encouraged to change and challenge themselves, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and the hundred peaks did that in, in a massive way, even to the point where people were, like training to be part of it and um, although they might well have ended up not participating in it they still continued that ethos on and i think really that's kind of where the black sheep element of it came in it just continued that ethos of what the hundred peaks did in trying to inspire others to yeah be a better version of themselves yeah. by obviously improving their health and emotional sense and uh, mental well-being mm. really that 
kind of naturally became, I guess, the legacy of the Hundred Peaks, um, and really became quite an easy vehicle to to use in terms of what the hunt or the fear of black sheep has become. I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, because that's what it's all about. Totally, yeah, and I think I think it's really timely as well because I think you know there's always been the the uh, the knowledge that you know if you get out and do stuff it, it makes you physically fitter. But I think in recent years that the mental aspects of of getting outdoors and actually sort of challenging yourself really seems to have come to the fore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I take a massive. I mean, I, I've, I've touched on this many times. It's literally, I think, if I hadn't have had the hundred peaks to concentrate on. Mm possibly i don't quite know where my head might have gone mm. but because i had that to concentrate on and focus on and everything since obviously it's enabled me to deal with losing lloydy mm. in hopefully what's seen as a positive light mm. um, i mean for me it's always been about trying to keep his memory alive yeah. really and, and 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 do stuff in tribute to him mm. that somehow benefits others I mean, it's obviously benefited me massively and hopefully my family in the way it's enabled me to, to cope with what happened. Mm. And again, you go back to the whole mental well-being side of things and yeah, there is no better medicine for improving, I don't think, your mental health than getting outside and doing that with people of a like-minded ilk that can make you smile and, and help you endure the sort of things that you want to take on and those mental challenges that you're facing yeah. um most definitely and i think that that's really evident through I mean, if you if you look at the facebook group the black sheep group and, and the gone tabbing group i think the, the amount of positivity and 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 good wishes and there's, there's just no animosity on there there's no there's no yeah. egos really it, it, those two groups are probably the only reason that i'm actually on facebook <laughs> yeah yeah it is i mean you go back to the ethos of the black the black sheep obviously it is derived from the 100 peaks but it is all about helping other people excel it's it's mm. it's not about who's the strongest the fittest the fastest it really is about trying to help people understand that that they that if they're willing to that they can set their own bar and really do a lot to improve everything about their lives mm. just by making those simple changes um, I mean, I know, I know I look back at obviously the way I was before everything happened and obviously life had taken over and I was uh, a, a big guy for a short guy, mm. you know, and I think without what I've done, obviously I, I wouldn't be anywhere near as obviously as healthy as I am now. Mm. I mean, it's, I, think, I mean, I was 17 and a half stone pretty much yeah. when I first embarked on thinking about doing the sort of stuff that we've we've done over the last few years mm. and i know without this obviously i wouldn't be sitting here in the sort of shape i am now not just physically but mentally it's it's massive really yeah. what it gives you back totally i mean and and the black sheep has, has obviously continued to evolve because this year was the the first year of the black sheep marathon how did that come yeah, about no, yeah i mean that was the second john john put together the 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 inaugural one oh, okay. last year right. just as a as a tester john yeah. nicholson okay um and i it's quite funny because i i remember having a conversation with john at the beginning of the year saying I, I, let's do it again this year but i think that's it you know i don't see that that event having any longevity at all mm. yeah. i mean what idiot really is going to want to rock up <laughs> and do 20 reps of jacob's ladder 
year after year. Yeah. Um, and I used <laughs> I used the word idiot tongue in cheek because we know the like minded yeah. individuals that take these things on, and it's actually incredibly humbling that people have looked at that and then obviously being there this this year because I wasn't able to be there last year mm. when John put it on for the first time but right. obviously being there this year and just seeing the sheer weird joy on people's faces yeah. taking it on and just pushing themselves to their limits just to see what they could achieve was just out of this world and you kind of then think actually no this is something quite special mm. um i mean not that it wasn't but i just almost like a bit like the hundred peaks you think well th- th- this just really is just a one-off you know or like a, at best it's sort of it'll have a very short shelf life mm. purely because of the nature of the challenge because it is it's not one of that i mean yes you have got to be physically fit but you don't have to be at the top of your game for argument's sake because mm. it's all about how many can you do. Yeah. But obviously, you know, if you're going for the 20 reps, you've got to be physically fit and your mind has got to be in a place where you're just literally getting things done because it's it's so mentally demanding as well as physically demanding. Yeah. And you think, how, why would you want to continuously put yourself through that? But I guess that's just the measure of the type of people that are in these incredible groups that we're part of it's it, it it's wonderful that it's supported so enthusiastically in that way yeah and obviously that's enabled us just to say you know what let's let's try other things as well mm. um which we was kind of going to do anyway but it's the feel-good factor after what was achieved on the black sheep marathon has just meant you know what maybe putting other stuff on is the right thing to do as well yeah. Whereas before it might have been a little bit more tentative about throwing other stuff out there, mm. which is just phenomenal, really. It's just, it, it's, yeah, again, going back to the whole sense of pride thing, it's just, it's it's that. And obviously what we achieved in terms of health, what, what not, obviously what it did for people with 100 Peaks has just been immense. Yeah, and obviously I've seen after your weekend, this weekend with uh, Elite, then there was a, I'm muting on Facebook that there might be a, a half black sheet marathon coming up. Yeah, John, uh, a few people have said, uh, do, um, would we consider putting one on? And obviously, you throw a <laughs> you throw a stone in a pond, and then a ripple, yeah, yeah. a ripple comes follows. So yeah, it looks like it might might happen. I think it probably, I think it's probably definitely going to happen. Mm. Um, I think it's a question now of, of when, yeah. what the date's going to be. Um, Again, obviously, in the winter becomes a completely different channel. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, uh, but we know, I mean, that's what makes them fun, isn't it? So, yeah. well, fun. Fun's not really the right word, is it? But it, but it is. It is totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I'll definitely be there for the for the Black Sheep Marathon next year. My name's on the spreadsheet, so I'm there. Uh, I'm there. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, no going back now. No going back now. No, no, it's all planned. Uh, I'm going to miss out on the Paris Ten this weekend because uh, we've we've unfortunately well I don't know about unfortunate we booked the holiday into Tenerife which was really bad planning. So uh, yeah, oh, so, good planning. Not yeah, sure yeah, yeah, maybe maybe one of the two. How was your weekend with Elite this weekend? Was that that pretty good? Yeah, to have those guys on I mean, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, no, it's always good to be. I mean, again, it's it's just being around the. Your your kind of people, isn't it? The yeah, kind so. of people that just sort of bring out the best in you, and 
um, enable you just to keep pushing your own bar because really, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not one for standing still anymore. It's kind of, I know with the kind of groups that we all belong to and the kind of stuff that I'm, I'm doing and everybody else is doing it. It's just, it's nice just to see where you can take yourself and just keep pushing it. I mean, not to the, obviously not to the detriment, but it's, uh, I mean, obviously, we all have families and jobs and everything else that go with it, with everyday life. So we have to be a little bit sensible, but it's nice to be able to do these things and with these kind of people. So it's um, it's always a good, it's always good fun. It's I kind of don't do it as much as I'd like, really, in the group mints because I obviously spend most of my time on my own training. But yeah. yeah, I kind of I'm like a dog chasing cars when there's a group <laughs> versus brilliant. I get far too excited. I must admit. Uh, Excellent. Look, I'm going to all the links to the website, the Black Sheep page, and obviously you're, you're an Ordnance Survey ambassador as well. Yeah, and I found out today, actually, I'm now an ambassador for the MK Marathon next year Excellent. as well, again. Brilliant. So um, people can get signing up for that because it's a really good marathon. Um, I've been an ambassador before, I think the first year I did it. Next year is my fifth year yeah. on the trot, and uh, yeah, I've been asked back to be a, an ambassador again for that next year, which is quite cool. Excellent. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to put all the links to all the all the pages that obviously you've sent me. I'll, I'll get all those on the show notes and onto the website, uh, so people can go there as well. If they want to sign up for any events, obviously you can do them through those pages if if they yeah. need to. Or obviously drop me a message or drop a message on the any of the Facebook pages. Perfect. Yeah, I mean we want the Black Sheep events is is there and there's obviously a, a little sign up if people are willing I'm to push themselves yeah, I think a little further. Plenty will be. Uh, yeah, it's been great talking to you. Say, so we'll definitely do this again. Definitely have you again after Brilliant. after the next event. I think. Uh, thanks so much for your time. You, you've achieved so much over the past couple of years. I think, and you know, I, th- I think Lloyd will be really, really proud of the legacy that you've created for him. Thanks, buddy. Really appreciate it. All right. Thanks very appreciate much, Carl. Time. Cheers, mate. All buddy, right, ta- take it easy. Ta- Bye. Bye. So that's it, the very first Alleycast. I've got loads more guests lined up for you over the coming weeks and months. Our next episode will be with Bomber. Bomber is uh, a guy called Christopher Goad. He is an ex-US Marine and the customer relations manager for GoRook in the US. I had a great chat with him uh, just after he'd survived Storm Dorian out there. So, um, yeah, that will be coming up in a couple of weeks' time. This podcast is also for you. If you've got a story that you want to tell, if you've got a training tip, if you've got an event that we don't know about, drop me a message either through the website at www.alicast.org or through the Alicast webpage or even just contact me through the Gone Tabbit page and we'll get that on. Thanks a lot for listening and remember, always a little further. If we make mistakes, we are lost. <laughs>